Welcome to the podcast. We do recover with Jared Miller, your host. And I'm Dr. Terry Sellers, your co-host. This is a podcast about recovery from addiction. We want to talk about what successful recovery can look like. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. In episode 92, we are here for you. You see that? Wow. I'm a mad rapper. You didn't even know I was a mad rapper, did you? I did not. I got all kinds of hot lyrics. (laughs) I spit hot fire. (laughs) So in episode 92... Your your breath smells like hot fire, (laughs) is what you mean. (laughs) In episode 92, it is going to officially be titled Sellers 40th, because we have Melody Sellers. Whoa. The wife of Terry Sellers in studio today. Melody, how are you doing? Great. Thank you so much for coming on here. You bet. And before this thing got started, I was kind of cracking jokes at Sellers, and I'm going to try to get Melody to join me. Oh, for we're sure. We're going to give you a hard time. That's fine. But we're going to do that in part two. However, let me tell you this. She knows where all the bodies are buried. That's the problem. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> we might be in trouble here. We, yeah, yeah, we might be. So we're going to get to how they made it to 40 years married in the second part of this. We want this thing to be recovery-related. I mean, that is kind of recovery-related. You would be married for 40 years if she hadn't stuck through your no, active addiction. And no question. Supported right. you in your recovery. So Right. Well, when, f- when we were married, I hadn't really used drugs at I hadn't used drugs at all. When we got married, so all of my drug use occurred during our marriage. Yeah, you were like a sacrament passing, mission going kind of guy. BYU LDS boy. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Still am, for sure. Just yeah. with a little bit of you know, I just took a sidetrack, took a detour <laughs> for a minute. <laughs> all right, before we get to that though, we got some recovery uh, news stuff we're going to get to. Um, episode ninety-two, part one, is brought to us by our sponsors, Steps Recovery Centers. Steps Recovery Centers is here to help you or a loved one get help as soon as you reach out. Reach out by calling them at 801-800-8142 or go live chat with somebody on their Facebook or on their website. That's stepsrc.com. We appreciate them sponsoring this podcast. Yes, we do. Steps is good to us and we appreciate their sponsorship. Love them. Love them. All right. So you might happen to work there. Yeah, I do. Good. Yeah. I work there as a substance abuse counselor, and I love them. They treat me like family. I mean, Good. I told you, like, for for me and Mandy's one-year anniversary of being married, they paid for us to go to dinner, you know? like That's nice. Yeah, sometimes, like, when I have heavy weeks, if I have a lot of assessments I have to do or multiple, you know, new clients, like Ty or Paul, you know, call and say, hey, man, go to dinner, send us the check. Like, just out-of-the-blue yeah. stuff, That's you know? Cool. Just Yeah, yeah. They, they really do... Uh, treat you like That's family. Really you can tell nice. when somebody actually cares, right? Like yeah. that's why I love them. So I'm cool. a steps guy. Yeah. Well, let's get to this. What are we doing? Are you sure? First of all, hold on. Earlier in this year, we celebrated 19 ish years clean. So yeah. how confident are you that you've actually been married for 40 years? And how much of that answer is based on melody, keeping track of the time versus you? Like, is it 39? I don't know what you're talking about. Is it 25? Do you know? Do you know it's 40? Yes. I do. (laughs) August 14th, 1982. You better not screw that one up, bud. I got it. (laughs) So it's not quite 40 yet because it's August 14th, but uh, we're down here. I brought Melody because we're celebrating our 40th this weekend, and so we just came down to have have a little fun and wander around. Are you having a good time so far, Melody? Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Great time. Been good. Awesome. We got well, some... Although we drove through the monsoon rains yesterday. Holy mackerel. Yeah, it's crazy down here. It's super hot and it's rainy, and which makes it humid. It's. I'm ready. I'm just ready for the fall. Yeah. You know, I'm ready for the fall. St. George, Utah is a beautiful place, but this year it's been too much moisture. Ooh. Yeah. No such thing. Yes. <laughs> we need moisture. So listen, we got some things that you were wanting to talk about today. There's some stuff in the news. Well, yeah. So today's episode is going to be a little... It's going to be a goulash. Yeah. We're going to mix it up a little bit. It's stir fry. It's... Yeah. It's goulash. It's... Podcast mashup. Smorgasbord. It's whatever it is, right? Um, uh, We had a a little bit of a plan earlier of having a guest on, and the guest couldn't make it this week, so we're going to do that at another time. And so um, we didn't come up with a totally great plan. Like a lot of times we know exactly what we're doing. Mm -hmm. We didn't know exactly what we were doing like 
30 minutes ago. So, However, I'm super excited that you brought Melody down, though, because I remember last year on your guys' 39th anniversary, we went to dinner afterwards, right? and I stood up in, in front of everybody, and I was like, hey, you remember that? <laughs> yeah, Out I on the patio? <laughs> like, let's all congratulate and help celebrate. Yeah. And, and we talked about how we should do this next year. And where, it's just cool that we're actually doing this this year. Where was that? Cliffside. Yeah. Guess where we're going this year. Cliffside? Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Cliffside Saturday night. You're Guess what invited. I'm going to be doing? You're invited. <laughs> Everybody, excuse me, please, let me have your attention. Help me to celebrate these guys' 40th. It's, you know, I'm not scared. Well, I get it. Not <laughs> I'm not shy. So You're not scared to You're make not. a fool out of me. <laughs> Let's be honest. Well, so we're, we were talking about, I've run across a couple of things this week in news stories and such that that I think are interesting, and I wanted to just bring them up. And we might do a little bit of this in future podcasts of have, you know, having just a quick five or eight or so minutes talking about an article or a news item that I saw or that you saw. Um, and I, the first one was, uh, and you, you've come up with some other ideas along this thing, but the first article I saw was a recent um, sort of uptick in doctors being assaulted or killed because they are withdrawing opiate pain medications from patients. Withholding. In other yeah, words, they're so, refusing to prescribe. Right, right. So we're getting a whole, because of the giant opiate epidemic, which is killing tons of people, we're getting a lot of pressure as physicians to cut back in how many opiates we prescribe. And um, it's always been the case that opiates have opiates are not a great long-term pain solution. Like they, for chronic pain, they're just not very good because all kinds of things happen, right? You develop tolerance, so the amount you initially got prescribed aren't working anymore. So you got to have more, and you got to have more, and you got to have more, and then eventually you get to this point where a doctor says, "I can't prescribe you that many pain pills. Like that's too many. The division of professional licensing is going to come down on me." So doctors at that point will maybe start refusing to prescribe pain pills to patients and particularly the ones that look like, you know, they're coming back for early refills. And, and there have been multiple recent cases of doctors either being assaulted or actually killed um, because they tell patients this stuff because they say, I can't do this anymore for you. Which is a tragedy, right? Because Super nobody tragedy. should feel like they're in harm or in danger because they're trying to do the right thing for somebody. Right. But let's talk about that for a second. Cause I think back on like my journey, right? My story, it started off with pain medications. I was getting prescribed by a physician. Sure. And then, you know, I started running out early. I started doing the dog ate them. I started doing, right. you know, the gamey stuff. Right. Dog, dogs never eat thyroid medications, by right. the way. They only eat pain pills. Yeah, we've talked about that for yeah. sure. Um, however, once I got cut off, right? Once, once my doctor was like, "Look, I'm not doing this no more," right? right? Like, you're, you're, don't come back to my clinic. Um, I just turned to heroin, and with fentanyl press pills these days, that's even scarier. Why is it physicians? Here's what I'm getting to. Why why don't they refer out to treatment, to care, to some type of clinic or, you know what I mean? It just seems like if they cut you off cold turkey, I mean, you still have the problem. Sure. You still have the physical dependency. Sure. Is that something that you see physicians talking about with their patients? Like, hey, this is getting out of hand. Let's refer you to, I mean, I don't know. What does that look like? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't think it's done enough. Doctors don't. Uh, don't aren't familiar enough with the resources out there to help patients and some of them don't even feel like that's their job which mm. of course it's their job i think that uh you know one of the things that i've never really apologized for is i think doctors are definitely a part of the problem like we're not the entire problem there's no way of, there's no way that we're the entire problem but for sure we're a part of it we've got to be a part of the solution if we're part of the problem so, yeah, doctors aren't very familiar with resources and aren't don't even feel like it's their job to refer that out. So I don't see it happening very much. You don't see a lot of doctors that are telling patients, hey, you're going to have to go to treatment, which is a doctor's responsibility. Yeah. A, or, hey, let's let's switch you over to an outpatient clinic. You know, they they can prescribe Suboxone. Like if a doctor is going to cut somebody off because they think that their use is out of control. 
or it's making them nervous, instead of just cutting them off cold turkey, they really should refer out. I mean, that's just professional practice. No question. Yeah. No question. And I don't know very many that would cut off cold turkey, but I do know a lot of people because that's, listen, that's painful to cut somebody cold turkey. Like that's difficult and that is not doing the patient no harm, which is one of our tenants, right? First do no harm. Um, it, it's harming a patient to take them and have them on 90 lower tabs a month and then all of a sudden they're on zero lower tabs a month. Like that's going to be tough. Do you remember in the article where it was? Because it was two doctors that had been killed within yeah. the last couple of years, right? Like 2021? Yeah. Or 2020? Yeah. So was. within the last two years, two physicians have been killed for yeah. refusing to prescribe. Yeah, and I think it was a few more than that, but the article highlighted two people, yeah. You so, remember where that was at, what state it was in? I can't. Sorry. I, I actually read the article, and then I can't find it now. <laughs> I, I might have erased it accidentally. I meant to flag it so that I could pull it up for this podcast. But, um, but yeah, it's it's definitely happening. It's so, crazy. Yeah. That's it. And then, so, but that led to you doing a little search. Let's talk about what you found. Yeah. Before I jump into that, though, I, I just want to thank our listeners. So I put out on social media, uh, yeah. hey, email us, right? Send us your stories. Like, we want to hear from you guys. I know a lot of people listen to this outside of the state of Utah. Skype is always a little rough. I mean, we try to accommodate it, but we can't do it for everybody. We can't be doing a Skype podcast we, every week, right? We've done it. It's a little difficult. Yeah. I mean, it's just... There's a delay and there's... The audio is not very good. Yeah. yeah. So, so here's the thing. We really want to hear from you guys. If you have a story of recovery, please reach out to us. Send us that either on our social media by sending us a direct message, or you can email us. Email us at we do recover with Jared Miller, the title of this podcast, at gmail.com. So I put that out there uh, like last week. One of the emails I got is from Sean Smith. Hey, guys, my name is Sean Smith, and I have been clean and sober for a little over nine years. Recovery has saved my life, going from basically homeless, a rock-bottom addict, to where I am now, married, homeowner, great job, great friends, and family relationships. Life is pretty darn good, and I would be honored to share my story with your audience. Sean, thank you so much. Thanks for taking the time to write us. Yeah, that's cool. I wrote him back and said, hey, man, we're going we're gonna to be talking about you on episode 92. Where are you from, right? So if you write in, let us know where you're from, how you heard of the podcast, all the stuff. We want to hear it all. And apparently, and then I got, a, I got an email from another podcast, people. Have you heard of, uh, let's see, Stay Scared? Um. I think I have, yeah. So this is kind of wild, right? Because we do a recovery podcast, and they do like a scary story podcast. But I mean, I figure we got some pretty scary stories, right? Oh, for sure. So let me read it. Hey, friends. My name is... Hey, friend. My name is Maddie, and I just recently discovered your recovery podcast. The work you're doing is awesome. I'm one of the co-hosts on Stay Scared Podcast, and Millie is my co-host as well. If you ever if you ever wanted to collaborate and have each other on each other's podcasts, please let me know. We can set up a phone call to talk about it beforehand. We would love to meet you. So that's kind of cool. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool for yeah. sure. So again, listen, if you have a story of recovery, if you want to reach out to us, send us an email at we do recover with Jared Miller at gmail.com. I appreciate those those people that that took the time to reach out. The article that you're talking about, sellers. I think I found it here. Is this the one from Indiana you're talking about? Doctor was killed for refusing yeah. to prescribe opiates. Yeah. What? That's uh, the one you were talking about, Sellers? I think so, yeah. So 2017. Is that from the Washington Post? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it looks like it was a murder-suicide. Uh, wow. For yeah. a doctor not uh, prescribing. Yep. Yeah, craziness, isn't it? It's scary. Yeah, really scary. But I mean, to be honest, I kind of hate that kind of like media stuff because that's what gives like substance abuse a bad name. For every one story where somebody eats somebody else's face off or, you know, Miss America turning to alcohol and throwing her life away or, you know, right? Like there's hundreds, thousands of stories where just people are desperate to get help. Sure. But we like to sensationalize this stuff and make it seem like, Oh, because somebody's addicted to drugs, they're out eating people's faces and throwing their life, right? I mean, the Miss America thing, I remember when that blew up and I was like, dang, I would not want to be her. Yeah, for sure. Do you remember that? Yeah. 
So. Yeah, and they did. The, the media loves that because it's a really sensational story, right? You got this famous, beautiful person who is now suddenly her life is in shambles. And we're going to do an episode on that one specifically. Yeah, we might. Let's do some research. Yeah. I would love to do that one. Yeah, we could do because that. that was big. That was like all over the news. Do you remember right. that melody? Yes. Yeah, that's yeah, that's craziness for sure. The media just loves that kind of stuff, though. The the everyday stories of. Uh, Sally's life was going to going to heck in a handbasket, and then she turned her life around. That's just not as cool a story. That's what we're trying to do on this podcast because we don't see enough of it out there. Like, right. we want to highlight stories of people who have become successful since they got clean and sober and turned their lives around. And that's kind of been the theme of the podcast is to s- sort of highlight people who are doing really well now. When sometimes you hear all these sensational stories of people that are doing so poorly that that's all people think that that's all, that's all the public thinks of people with addiction issues is, oh, look at them. They live under a bridge. I think that that's the thing that drives me crazy about the sensation. The stories that are sensationalized is it fuels the stigma. You know, if I have a neighbor that I suspect is struggling with a substance, you know, and I think he's going to eat my face off or I think he's going to, you know what I mean? Like come in my house and commit murder. I'm probably not going to reach out. I'm probably going to, I, you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Sure. And a big thing with addiction is isolation. Like people isolate, they don't get around other people and to all that does is fuel the addiction even more. For so sure. yes, we want to be a part of the solution, not right. a part of the problem. Right. For sure. Yeah. All right, let's talk about let's talk about the New York Times article. Okay. The title is Doctor Who Prescribes Pain Pills is Charged with Five Counts of Murder. This happened out in Long Island. Have you ever heard of something like this? I have, for sure. I, I I've heard of it a fair amount. Now, um the the article that you found is a guy who was doing things quite not not even close to by the book, right? Dr. George George Blatty? George Blatty was meeting patients at Baskin Robbins or Dunkin' Donuts. Dunkin' Donuts, right? Yeah. In the parking lot and writing prescriptions and that sort of stuff. And that's that's not kosher. I mean, that's just not. And he wasn't doing any physical examination at all and um, wasn't in a professional setting. And so he's he, basically a drug dealer he, with a prescription pad. Right. I mean, he, yeah. it's right. I mean, where do you meet your drug dealer? I didn't, I never had one cause I had different access, but you meet your drug dealer in the parking lot someplace. Yeah. And you get in his car, he gets in your car, whatever happens. And that's kind of what this guy was doing. And so him being charged with with murder, if he prescribed opiates to people that died, I can understand that. Um, but we're also seeing it in people who aren't doing things all wrong. There, there are doctors that are actually meeting patients in their offices, doing exams, prescribing them opiates. And then when the person misuses their opiates, because the way doctors prescribe opiates, they're not going to prescribe it so that people die. They're going to prescribe one pill every four to six hours, right? The problem is the patients take six pills every one to four hours. And so um, blaming the doctor for that is tough. But these things are dangerous. That's the problem. These things are super dangerous. I remember I had a, I've had a couple of patients die from opiates that some of which I prescribed, but they were also using other stuff. Like I had a patient who died who I had on methadone for uh, chronic pain. Mm Mm-hmm. He was an addict, but we were treating his chronic pain because he'd had like nine surgeries on his ankle, and he had a legitimate, yeah, legitimate pain. Yeah, we were trying to we were trying to get him through to through the next surgery and all that stuff, and he winds up taking my methadone to the hospital while, and he didn't let anybody know, and then he had a surgery, and they put him on a PCA pump, which is the little pumps where you can put and you get more, mm-hmm. you can push the button and you get morphine, but he also had methadone, my methadone, on top of that. And he snuck it in. He didn't tell anybody he had it. So he's getting this PCA pump and taking my methadone. Sure. And in situations like that, obviously the prescriber can't be held accountable, right? I mean, that well, was, it was it, his actions. It, it can happen. Really? Yeah. If the, well, I, I, don't, I don't know if I could ever lose that lawsuit, but if the family gets angry enough, they can sue you. 
I don't know if they'll win, but they could definitely sue you. It's happened before. Yeah, just uh, that's. <laughs> I guess that's why you pay for you know insurance, right? That's why you have malpractice insurance and things like that. Sure. You know, a, a recent thing with fentanyl is you know people go to detox and they smuggle in fentanyl, right? And then they they overdose and die while in detox, and the families want to sue or hold the the detox facility accountable. It's like, hold on. Right. We we had no control over right. you know him bringing that stuff in. Right. So it's just kind of scary. I mean, we live in a crazy world today. Yeah. Crazy world. This guy was charged with uh George Blatty. Blatty was charged with five counts of second degree um where's that at? Sorry. You're all right. He pled not guilty to five counts of murder in the second-degree murder, and 11 counts of reckless endangerment. Wow. The prosecutor has a quote here um, basically saying that uh, his prescription pad was as lethal as any murder weapon. Yeah, well, got to be careful. So the pen is mightier than the sword? Oh, hey, look at that. In this case, it sounds like it. In this case, it sounds like It's almost like, like you coined a phrase there, Sean. Ah, I thought of it myself. Yeah, you should make up more <laughs> phrases. They're good. Another thing that I wanted to go over in this article that I found was really cool is it says, in 2011, 88 doctors faced drug-related criminal charges. 2011. In 2011, 88 of them. Yep, civil lawsuits or medical uh, license suspensions. In 2019, that number was 477. Yeah. So it went from 88 in 2011 to 477 in 2019. In a way, that kind of relieves me, though. Because we've gotten to this pandemic because of just kind of the laxed, mm-hmm. nonchalant, mm-hmm. right? I mean... Yeah, you, you when you hear that, you look at what's the cause of that. And the, the cause is, it's multifaceted for sure. It's not just that doctors are prescribing more loosely. It's also that there's much more enforcement um, of people that were prescribing loosely before not getting charged. And now they're just kind of cutting down on that a little bit and, and enforcing it a little better. So, I mean, in a way, I guess that's a good thing. You know what I mean? It's good that, that they're really starting to enforce it and they're starting to monitor it. And, you know, that just means less opioids out there getting sure bought and sold illegally. Sure. Absolutely. Sweet. Yeah. I got one last topic. We got a couple of minutes left. Perfect, man. This the, is la- the last topic is that I wanted to bring up is I read a news article that there is not a single state's, uh, like in Utah, we have what's called the Division of Professional Licensing. They're over everybody that has any kind of license, right? Yep. So, they're, so they're, over, they're over doctors for sure. And there's no single state professional licensing division that allows doctors to continue to practice medicine if they're taking Suboxone. Mm. On the other hand, most authorities and most governmental agencies are pushing us to put more and more opiate addicts on Suboxone long-term, even for life. And yet, if you were a doctor, but if you're a doctor, you yourself. can't right. You can't work like that. But you can other people. They they're trying to force you to make them work like that. Like, Why do you think that's that a is? weird double standard? Don't you think? Oh, for sure. Like I think that's because because of what we know to part part of that is because of what we know to be true. It's an opiate. It goes into your brain and it affects your brain regardless of what people say. And the proof of the fact that people believe that is they won't let doctors practice like that. Doctors are making life and death decisions every day, and you don't want an opiate in their brain most of the time. So it does impair you to some degree because it has a partial agonist, right? Right. And a partial antagonist. For sure. But that partial agonist does activate the brain, and you are a little bit under the influence of something. You you ever run a group with somebody that's on Suboxone? Oh, for sure. Sometimes they're nodding off in group. You yeah, can tell which ones have it. They can't even respond to the context of the group discussion. Right. Right? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like every, you'll be talking about resentments, and they'll just off the wall talk about you know, mom or dad. Right. Or I, I guess that could be a resentment, but <laughs> could you be. get what I'm saying. But like it, They'll it, talk about the Ferris wheel that right. we were on yesterday. <laughs> right. 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 Yeah, yeah. No question. So I think it's a weird double standard for sure. And that shows that we're not 
in this country, there is a difference of opinion and um, it's not a settled issue for sure. I do think that there is a place for Suboxone, though. Oh, different no topic, different oh, day. No question. Yeah. yeah. All right, we're about out of time, so uh, we'll be back shortly after this break and a word from our sponsors. You are listening to We Do Recover with Jared Miller and co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. We'll be right back after this short break with more of We Do Recover with Jared Miller, sponsored by Steps Recovery Center and the Hilton Garden Inn. I'm Desmond Lomax, one of the clinical executives here at Steps Recovery. And once you become the Steps family, you're just a part of the Steps family. A lot of us have overcome substances, overcome addiction, and now we're able to help other people. Second of all, we're also going to help you in a way where you can afford to be helped. Third of all, we're going to give you the same quality that many organizations are charging two to three times. And it's more about you than it is about our organization. We welcome you back to We Do Recover with Jared Miller, co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. And now with part two of our podcast, Jared Miller and Dr. Terry Sellers. All right. Welcome back, everybody, to part two of We Do Recover with Jared Miller. This is episode number 92, and uh, we talked in the first segment about a couple of news stories we've seen and and uh, some things that are happening in the news within the world of addiction and recovery. Well, we um, put some people to sleep in the first one. Part we, one. Well, uh, so we, we have a we have a producer whose job is to keep us kind of moving along, right? And he pointed out during the break that maybe I, uh, I and maybe you, but for sure me, was a little bit low energy in the first segment. We need so, a little caffeine up yeah, in here go. today. Let's go. Let's, let's go. Let's bring this up a little bit. Who's episode so, 92? Part two brought to us by... Oh, it's brought to us by the Hilton Garden Inn. You ever heard of them? I have. Yeah, the Hilton Garden Inn. So if you're, you are traveling through southern Utah, give them a Google search, Hilton Garden Inn. They provide great service to our friends and to me. I stay down there quite a bit. I stayed in there quite a bit when I come down here. And uh, great amenities. The pool's fantastic. The staff is very courteous. The rooms are clean. And we love the Hilton Garden Inn and uh, give them a shot at your business if you're traveling this way. Yeah, yeah. Pull them up on Google. Let yep. them know that we sent you. Yep, they're super. That super goes for all good. of our sponsors, whether it's Steps sure. or the Hilton. I mean, let them know that you heard you heard it here on this podcast. Yeah, that helps us a little bit. So yeah. we appreciate it if you do that. We also got Rise Up Supplements. Uh, Rise Up Supplements is a nootropic line meant to help with mental health. We are just around the corner. Today, actually, I'm getting our custom boxes delivered. Right after this podcast. Matter of really? fact, hopefully they don't deliver it in the first hour of the window that they told me. <clears throat> so if you go to... To your house? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, right. I'm just going to be doing it out of my house right now. You know, it's a well, startup sure. company. I get it. So we got two products. We got Mindful Mood, which helps decrease anxiety and enhance mood. And then we have Mind Shift. Mind Shift is something I'm super excited about. You've heard of like Alpha Brain, right? Or like... Uh, True brain. It's a new, it's a really strong nootropic, almost like a ADD Adderall, you know, like a herbal. It helps um, with like drive and focus and cognitive processing, higher verbal IQ type stuff. So super excited for the mind shift that we're Sweet. coming out with. Yeah. So go to rise up sups. That's R I S E U P S U P S dot com. And yeah, order, yeah. subscribe, get yourself some stuff, try it out. Sweet. If you don't like it, you can return it within 30 days. Both of them are 30-day supplies. I'm going to try it out. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. It'll make my brain better. My brain's starting to leave me. <laughs> I'm up the age now that the brain is heading I'm going to give you some tonight. I'm going right. to give you some tonight. Right. You, you tell good. me what you think. Yeah, so this thing great. is titled Seller's 40th. What does that mean? That means somebody has put up with you for 40 years. Can you believe that, honestly? I really can't, no, Sellers. I can't. Listen, I, I can't either. I wanted uh, to divorce myself a number of times during this 40 years. What I'm really interested in is, Melody, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. Good, good. <clears throat> Talk to me a little bit about, we've heard Seller's story, right? We've celebrated, you know, his anniversaries. Uh, I'm pr pretty sure it was episode one he, he told his whole story. Yeah. Talk to me about how did your husband, Dr. Terry Seller's addiction, affect you? 
Well, when it first happened, um, and he started going to, um, sorry, and he started going to get help and classes and stuff that he had to do. He didn't want me to tell anybody what had happened. He didn't want me to talk to anybody. He didn't want anybody to know that he had was addicted and stuff. And yet he got to go talk to people all the time. Mm. And I got to talk to no one. And that was hard to keep that secret um, and have no one to talk to. That was super hard. So you didn't know about like Al-Anon at the time or Naranon or any type of family support groups? I didn't even think about that, actually. No. Did you have any friends or family members that that you let it leak? Nope. No one. You literally kept this huge secret that ended up being a pretty pivotal moment in both of your guys' lives. Right. To yourself. Right. That had to have been maddening. It was. It was. And the one thing that really helped me get through it was a friend gave me a gratitude journal. And every night I would write at least three things during that day um, that I was grateful for. Even during this terrible time, there are things that you can be grateful for. And that really did help. Yeah. It really did help. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing that. That's, That's a great little golden nugget for our listeners. So how long had you been married up to this point? And like, when did you first find out for sure? Because I'm sure maybe you knew something was a little off, but when was it like, okay, 100%? When the uh, policeman came to the door and knocked on the door Mm. and wanted to... I answered. Yeah, he answered. Mm. He said, I'd like to talk to your wife about this prescription that she got from Dr. Wallentine. Well... She didn't get the prescription from Dr. Wallentine. Melody didn't know anything about the prescription. She didn't even know she had a prescription. (laughs) That's troublesome. I called it in. This is sort of part of my story. I used to call in using another doctor's name and DEA number who was a friend of mine, really good friend of mine. And um, so I ran upstairs. The cop knocks on the door and says, I want to talk to your wife about this prescription she got from Dr. Wallentine. Well, I knew it was... The gig's up. I mean, I knew at that point things were going to head south really quick. And so I ran upstairs where she was and said, hey, you got to go down and lie to the cops. Let's get it from Melody's perspective. How do you remember that conversation going, Melody? And what were you thinking and feeling? I just, I was in the bedroom and he came up and said, hey, listen. And he told me what had happened downstairs. And I just looked at him and I said, I can't. I'm not lying for you. Mm. Because lies tend to, um, they catch up on you. And the truth eventually comes out and I wasn't going to be part of that. Mm. I have a question. So were you aware of everything that was going on in his life with his addiction at this time? No. This was like brand new information. Completely out of the blue. Cops Cops are here and your world's falling apart, Terry. And you're like, what? You have an addiction? There's a problem? There's cops involved? You've been writing illegal? This is all like within seconds. Correct. Yeah, for sure. How long had you been married at that time? Oh, it's uh, that was probably two thousand and one. So twenty um, years. We got married yeah. in eighty two, so close to twenty years. Yeah, nineteen yeah. years. Wow. Yeah. Surprise. <laughs> did you? Did that's you? A heck of a surprise. That, yeah, it? that's one heck of a surprise. So I, I would I would point out, and I don't I want Melody to speak to this for sure, but I would point out that she knew I was using a fair amount of morphine. But I always hit it in the fact that I have terrible migraine headaches, which is also true. But, I mean, she excused some of my use of morphine because it most, much of my use was much, not all. Much of my use was legit. Like, I'd go to my doctor's office, I had a migraine, and he'd give me a shot of morphine and send me on my way. And so... Um, when she didn't know I had forged prescriptions or written forged right. prescriptions. Knew, so you knew, Melody, But she ahead. knew I was using some opiates. Yeah, because um, I take him to get the shot a lot of times because of his migraine. Because I, I can't drive And after. he can't drive after, so I take him and drive him home. Because I thought 
he had a really bad migraine. Well, and you're not a doctor. No. You don't know how powerful or, you know, how addictive this stuff can get and how quick and, out of, you know, how out of control it can turn into, right? Right. So you so you, you were aware a little bit that he had these migraines and he was right. taking some pain medication, just not to the degree that it was at. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So what do you think when, I imagine he's taken away in handcuffs from no. your front doorstep. No. This is the thing about Terry. Once the gig's up or he's very open about things, he goes down and we go down to the library and sit in the coat. The, um, the policeman, the cop asked me, what about this prescription? And I said, it's not mine, mm. you know? And once that happened, he was, he started answering all kinds of questions from the cop and I'm going, I think you should not be doing that. Right. right. Like, babe, babe, let's yeah, get a lawyer. Yeah, because the maybe. cop's not going to say <laughs> stop. You know what? That's the thing about, he's very open about things. Uh, is he answering questions or is he giving information? He's giving information. He's like, oh, and this, you forgot to ask me this. Yeah. And oh yeah, there's this and I'm guilty of this. It was just the waterworks and yep. you were just like, damn, opened up. I, Terry? Kind of. Yeah. And so I said, hey, I think we should call Steve, our, you know, a friend that's a lawyer. And so he hushed up for a minute. We called Steve and Steve said, keep your mouth shut. <laughs> Do not say another word to I'm, him. I'm busy telling the cop where he's going to find all kinds of illegal prescriptions, like which pharmacies and yeah. how much it was for. And you're just a treasure and trove yes. for this, this, yeah. this police officer. Yeah. yeah. This guy if you know him. anything about Terry, once he starts, I mean, he's just very open about a lot of stuff, you know, and once he decided to tell people that he was a drug addict, recovering drug addict, whatever drug addict. Um, then he didn't care who knew, you know, and he told everybody. But it just has to be. <laughs> How was that for you? Didn't because I, I, Utah County is kind of a, you know, beat the Jones mentality. It yeah. is. It's very much like socially there's some, you know, to, to do there. Well, for sure. Right. I, uh, there was a point in, in this, at this point in my career, I was the busiest obstetrician in Utah County, which is a, the busiest county in the state of Utah, which might be the busiest state for deliveries, obstetrician-wise. Right. In because the, the culture, the, the LDS States. culture has yeah. kids yeah. and they have kids young and they have a lot of kids. I kind of was, I was kind of in the upper echelons of society in Utah County, which I get it. Those people that aren't from Utah County wouldn't ever want to be in those upper <laughs> echelons, but... Uh, but I was. I mean, a lot of people knew who I was, and I, you know, I delivered a ton of babies and all this stuff. And now yeah, you tell sudden, stories about going into Maggleby's, and like you didn't even have to pay; they would just send you a bill at the end of the month. Well, I had a tab at Maggleby's that got a little out of control. Dude, listen, guys occasions. like me don't have tabs at Maggleby's. Okay, <laughs> that, like they want their money and they want it now yeah. because they don't know if they're going to get it at the end of the month. Yeah, they'd send me a bill, and it, <laughs> I'd just walk in and just so, yeah. buy everybody else dinner. And so, Melody. You didn't, it didn't bother you at all. You, there wasn't any kind of shame or any kind of no. worry about what your neighbors thought. No, no. And I guess we have good friends because everybody was supportive. Yeah, we didn't get any bad reactions to it. Mm -mm. Hmm. No. But, but, but part of that is because of how upfront we were about it. Like, I'm just going to tackle this now. Like, yeah. I came out and started telling everybody because they had to know because I was about to lose my house. I was about to lose my cars. I was about to lose my, you know, ability to live exactly how I'd lived before. And so people were going to find out anyway. Right. So I was really upfront about it and really open about it. I don't remember being open about it and having anybody give me a negative reaction to that. Hmm. At least everybody yeah. was least pretty supportive. Face. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Sure. Sure. Maybe, so, maybe some people said some stuff behind my back that I don't know about. but I'm sure going from being one of the most successful OBGYN doctors in all of Utah County to, I know Terry's story, and he was scooping cookies at Hoagie Yogi. He was working for me. Yeah. Working she for was you. my boss. 12 bucks an hour, right? No. No. Started at eight. Eight, eight bucks an hour, scooping cookies. She was making more than me. Dr. <laughs> Sellers had to have been depressed. Like, what was the hardest thing in his early recovery for you, Melody? I think that's when we moved to this one house. And for the first three months, he sat in a dark room mm. and did nothing. 
nothing except for watch TV and whatever. And that was really hard because I ironed. I ironed. Oh, he did iron. <laughs> um, because you I'm want a star. I'm going to yeah. <laughs> I'm going to work and sure. and that's great. I'm happy to help, but we weren't making it right financially. I'm and, sure emotionally too, right? Because he's in the um, basement ironing clothes and watching TV. Yeah. And I finally We can laugh about it now, sellers. It's okay. And I finally no, said pain, to him It's kind of painful actually. <laughs> but it's okay. Like yeah. I'm not And I finally said to him, I'm sorry, but you have to stop just sitting in this room because mm. we are dying, you know. Um and he did. Got up and he started doing was it like an ultimatum, though? Was no. it like, no? No, I don't remember it being, was it? No. You weren't about just, to kick his butt out? No. Oh, no. No, 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 no. She's so sweet. I don't know how Whoa. you got Melody. <laughs> I know, right? This is why no. I'm still married. We can't <clears throat> find people this good very often. <laughs> so, yeah, I just said, you know, we need help. And I need you to get up and get out of this room. Mm. If I if I may ask, okay, so uh, being a a house a doctor's house, there must be a level of financial lifestyle that you guys were comfortable with. With I'm assuming being uh, a, a popular doctor and whatnot, and then all of a sudden that income is gone. Oh, no question. So what are the numbers? You have the numbers. You know the numbers. You went from making X to making X. What what are they? Mm-hmm. I made my last full year of practicing medicine. I made five hundred and seventy seven thousand dollars. And my first full year of not practicing medicine, I personally made eighteen thousand dollars. So that five hundred grand a year—that kind of, was a lifestyle of comfortable car, comfortable house, comfortable that you know—and um, then boom, gone. Yeah. So I'm assuming that there's a was was there was there some some angst there? Like, hey. Uh, Where's the money? Just about <laughs> paying our rent. That was yeah. anything because a house is a house. You know what I mean? That well, yeah, a house is it's still it's, a, it's mortgage and it's bills and it's everything else too. Yeah, but we sold the house and okay, uh, okay, okay. We sold the house. We made sold, some money on. So this it, was a whole this was a whole a lifestyle bit. change too. Oh yeah. So it was like okay, you don't have the money because of this. Now we have to consolidate oh. life. Smaller house, smaller car, everything. Less no vacations, oh. no Netflix, stuff like I, that. I didn't see, I honestly didn't really see much of a giant future of ever getting back to a decent lifestyle. Like, yeah. I thought, man, we're going to scrape by forever now because I don't have any other skills. Like, I I can't work a construction job. I don't know how to do that. And frankly, I don't want to, but I don't know how. And so I'm, I'm like, I don't know if we're ever going to be able to do anything other than live in a small apartment and scrape by for the rest of our lives. You didn't like push for your modeling career to take off? My modeling <laughs> career had zero chance of taking <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah, and he... Not much modeling for dorky looking old dudes. <laughs> no. Okay. So anyway, um, yeah, it really didn't bother me to leave the house and all that. I just... Yeah, she actually didn't... That just doesn't bother me. We were living in a beautiful home. It was 8,000 square feet, and it was just lovely. And that You were driving a Porsche. I you? adored that more than she did. Oh. Right. She didn't need that. Yeah. She's, she's a, she is happy with anything she can get. Was Terry a good worker? Oh, he's excellent. Really? He's, I can't I can't picture seller no, scooping cookies. He, you're a, he means in the cookie oh, scooping. Yeah. 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 Yeah, we had, bowl. I got, you were good. I got in cookie dough. You know what? I think I yeah. think if I was Terry's boss and we were scoop, scooping cookies, he'd be eating more than he'd oh, be well, scooping. Oh well, he ate some. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> no doubt about that. And we had a group of people, kids, oh, and we had fun people. We had fun people, and we had a lot. I of actually fun. had fun at that yeah. job. Honestly, it, it was really super was not taxing on my brain at all. No stress. Yeah, just yeah. no stress. And we had a couple of people that worked for us that. That worked for her. I don't. I shouldn't say us because I worked for her. We, we had a couple of uh, guys that had defected from Cuba, right? That were on the Cuban national volleyball team, and they were coming to play for BYU. And they were these. Uh, you, one guy was six eight, and one guy was six six, and uh, 
you know, one guy barely spoke English, but they were just funny. They and and we funny guys. still keep in touch. You yeah. know, um, they were like our we, we had kids. a good time. We yeah, had like a really so good yeah. time with them. Well, yeah, I mean, I can imagine, right? Your your wife's your boss, so it's not like she's going to get too mad at you. She's the sweetest oh, no. lady on the planet. Right. You're we had good working times. with illegals from Cuba that are were smuggled over here in crates. Right. Just kidding. <laughs> I don't know, but right. you know. Fun dudes, you're high on sugar because you're eating so much cookie dough you could throw up, right? Like, I get it. I, I totally but get the, the scene. the good news is I wasn't high on anything else. Else, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so, Melody. Yes. Terry comes home one day and he says, somebody's offered me a job working in a treatment center. What are your thoughts? I'm like, heck yeah. I mean, do whatever you want to that will make you happy and bring us some money. You know, I mean, he did several different jobs before it got to that point. Okay. When you knew that this was going to be a career for him, was it like a, <sighs> we're out of the woods? No, I wouldn't say so. Would you? No, no. So my first job was at Steps. Right. But I just mean like once you found out that you could my get your license back. Like oh, yeah. like, was it like, okay, we're happy. going back to doctor status again. Because for those of people that are listening, Dr. Sellers was an OBGYN. He lost his license for a while. Then he got his license back to practice. Uh, he's board certified in addiction medicine. So when he got his license back, was there like an, okay, we can breathe again? Okay, no, no, because is- honestly, so I, my first job was at Steps, but it was when Steps opened. Mm-hmm. Uh, I worked 20 hours a week at Steps and made $2,000 a month. Which isn't great. Uh, that wasn't getting us out of the woods at all. Right. I'm not a doctor, and I make more than that. Right. Luckily, right. we were living with my parents. I mean, that's a thing that yeah, at happened, that point, too. We had moved in with her parents. Well, you, we lived with them for several years. Wow. But, but, Melody, there had to be some kind of, like, hope, right? Because oh, he's yeah. now got a license. He's a physician again. Oh, I was thrilled about that. He worked so hard to get that back. I mean, he worked super hard. I was super proud about that. But yeah, it was good. It felt good. Yeah. When I say I made 2000 a month, I made 2000 a month for five days. Because five days into the opening of Steps Recovery Center, the clinical director quit. And the owner of Steps came to me and said, do you want to be our clinical director as well as our medical director? And I'm not a clinical director. Like, there's, right. I'm just not. And so I said, I'll do it for a minute, but you got to be actively looking for another clinical director. So he doubled my salary to 4000 a month. Now I'm working 60 hours a week to be clinical oh, director yeah. and medical director. Oh, yeah. And I'm making four grand a month. Yeah. Uh, we weren't better making, than eight bucks an hour scooping. Cookies. But it was way better. So, <laughs> right. so four grand a month is going to get me 50 grand a year. That beats the heck out of 17 or 18, 18 grand the year that I'd made the year before. Absolutely. Listen, we got about three minutes left here. Happy 40th. Thanks. Happy 40th. What is, Melody, what is the funnest memory you have with Dr. Sellers when you think about the last 40 years? Last 40 years. Oh, wow. She can't think of any fun. No, I was, we were talking about this the other day, just when we very first got married. I don't know. This just has stayed with me over the years. We're on our honeymoon and we stopped at a restaurant Mm -hmm. and he, and I said, wow, steak and eggs. And I said, I never had that. That just seemed way a lot, you know. And he goes, get it, get it. And that was the first time I ever had steak and eggs. And it was just exciting to me that, you know, he's very generous. Yes. He is very generous. Terry's motto, he takes us out to lunch, me and my wife, Mandy, almost every time he comes down here pretty much. And he pays because he refuses to let us pay. And he always says... If we couldn't afford the most expensive thing on the menu, we wouldn't be eating here. Pick that's, whatever you want. That's He's very generous. That's the way his parents that's, taught him. Yeah, yeah, my dad taught me that. All yeah. right, Terry, same question for you. Last 40 years, what's what's the highlights, man? Yeah. What's the, the well, golden nuggets? Well, there's t- there's way too many highlights. But um, a couple of things that I'll mention, first of all, is she's the world's best cook. Like, she is amazing. It's a miracle I don't weigh 7,000 pounds <laughs> because she's great. Like, honestly, she's great at everything in the kitchen, but her best thing is desserts, and my best thing is eating desserts. <laughs> so true. it's a miracle I don't weigh a million pounds. And I, uh, my father was a big guy, like weighed 355 pounds, so I don't know how I didn't. Like, honestly, I'm, I, I would love to be 30 or 40 pounds lighter, but I'm not a big fat guy. Like, 
Let that be know. a note. The the she, fastest way to a man's heart is through his stomach. Yeah. Well, she's got she's gotten <laughs> to my heart because she has gone through my stomach for sure. She's an excellent cook. She's an excellent. Um, she supports our children and does most of the work. Like she, uh, w- there were many times where during med school and residency and e- even practicing medicine where I just really didn't do much in the house at all. Yeah, you're busy. Yeah, I just wasn't home. I just didn't. And she has held that down. She has learned how to do a lot of things that are traditionally male jobs, like fixing, figuring out how to fix cars and, you know, that kind of stuff, because I just didn't have the time to even pay attention to it sometimes. Mm. So she's just kind of adapted and done everything she has to do. And it's been pretty supportive to me for sure melody what message do you what anniversary message do you have for terry on the podcast today that i'm glad he picked me or asked me and that even though times get hard sometimes we stick it out and he's always if i say hey i've had it but he'll try to change Mm -hmm. he's very good at that you know if i'm unhappy he wants to make me happy and he'll do whatever is necessary, and I appreciate that. Beautiful. Same 20, 20 seconds you. left. I'm going to say this real quick. We don't go to bed mad at each other. We it's solve true. it then. We don't go to sleep and then fix it in the morning. We go to bed. By the time we go to bed, we've resolved all our issues. You guys are a great example. For all of our listeners out there that are trying to make it in recovery and trying to make it in marriage, thank you guys so much for coming on. Yeah. Join us next week for episode 93. Thank you for joining us today on We Do Recover with Jared Miller. Help us spread our message of hope. Like, comment, and share. If you have any topics or ideas for future shows, please share that on our Facebook page. That Facebook page is We Do Recover with Jared Miller. If you or a loved one needs help, please reach out to us. Again, thank you for listening. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. This has been a production from a podcast studio.